This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, Indonesia just held its vast and complex election and President Joko Widodo is back in power and he has just named a 34-member cabinet. Some of the choices are quite unconventional, some are controversial. We have on the line today Arlena Arshad, regional, cor regional correspondent of The Straits Times. Arlena, hi. Can you hear me? Hi, Nirmal. Thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us, Martina. So, uh, mm -hmm. President Jokowi's new cabinet has been announced and there are some surprises. And what is the sentiment out there um, on the ground? Okay, um, uh, some mixed opinions about the new cabinet, but generally it's positive. Uh, the cabinet is a mix of politicians and technocrats, uh, some old hands like Finance Minister Sri Mulyani Indrawati and newcomers uh, like Gojek uh, right-hailing app uh, co-founder Nadim Makarim. Uh, more than half in the cabinet are fresh faces, so it is um, too early to assess how they might perform. Uh, President Jokowi has basically opted to consolidate his power by accommodating the varied interests of most political parties from his ruling coalition, as well as opposition party Garindra, which is chaired by uh, Mr. Prabowo Subianto, his challenger in the presidential elections in 2014 and in 2019. Um, on the economic front, uh, people are generally happy with the return of highly capable uh, Dr. Sri Mulyani, who is a former managing director uh, with the World Bank, uh, to the cabinet. Uh, they believe she can help uh, to realize uh, Mr. Jokowi's vision to boost uh, growth and investments and to overhaul uh, labor reforms. Uh, in fact, uh, the rupiah has strengthened uh, against the US dollar last evening uh, following the news that Mr. Jokowi had picked uh, a number of young professionals and the reappointment of Sri Mulyani. So that's the first good news for Indonesia. Okay, so Prabowo Subianto and Nadim Makarim are the two who have uh, you know, drawn some headlines. Let's start with Nadim. What does he bring to the table? Okay, uh, Mr. Nadim is Indonesia's uh, education and culture minister now. At 35 years old, he is the youngest uh, minister in the cabinet. Uh, Mr. Nadim founded Gojek, a right-hailing uh, service which has since evolved into a multi-service uh, platform providing services uh, such as food delivery uh, and even makeup services. Gojek is Indonesia's first unicorn and quite the pride and joy of Indonesia. So I believe Mr. Jokowi is expecting Mr. Nadim to overhaul uh, the education sector. There have been uh, feedback that many Indonesian graduates are unemployed due to skills gap. Uh, what they learn in school does not match uh, what the industries want. Uh, so many investors end up looking elsewhere like India, Vietnam and the Philippines. So going into his second term, President Jokowi has vowed to raise the uh, vocational skills of Indonesia's youth by providing training to get them ready to work. So this is where Mr. Nadim is expected uh, to lend his expertise. Uh, there may be bureaucratic uh, challenges facing Mr. Nadim in the education sector, which he must tackle. Uh, but human development indeed is a major priority for Mr. Jokowi to help the country reach its full potential and he's banking on Mr. Nadim uh, to achieve that. Okay, and Prabowo, now he's a member of the opposition party. His appointment as defense minister has raised eyebrows, not just in Indonesia, but in places like DC as well. So why has Jokowi decided to go with him and what are the implications for uh, security and rights issues? 
Uh, there are lots of unhappiness over the appointment of Mr. Prabowo Subianto as the defense minister. Uh, Garindra has uh, the uh, biggest uh, uh, potential to create a commotion during Mr. Jokowi's term. So perhaps uh, Mr. Joko has embraced uh, the, the chairman, which is Mr. Prabowo, to subdue opposition so the government can implement its policies more smoothly. Uh, but the fear is uh, this may potentially weaken the country's democracy uh, by bringing political opponents on board. Indonesia will lose a significant opposition voice to be a check and balance on the government. Um, criticisms have also come from human rights activists, like you said, uh, who question if Mr. Prabowo is the right person to lead um, uh, a strategic ministry that would oversee military and military budget uh, Mr. Prabowo uh, was the commander of the Army Special Forces or the Kopassus and during his term, he was implicated in the kidnapping of pro-democracy activists in 1997 and 1998, although he has uh, rejected those uh, accusations. Uh, so, But we can understand the disappointment and anger by Indonesians over the appointment. Uh, also following his defeat in this year's election, uh, Mr. Prabowo had mm -hmm. challenged the election result at the constitutional court, although he lost that bid. Right. So it is natural for people to ask, uh, can your enemy be your friend? Or is it a case of uh, uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer? So only time will tell. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So uh, what about the push for digitization of the economy? That's supposed to be huge. How much is achievable? Okay, uh, there's a lot of potential in Indonesia's uh, digital economy. Uh, Indonesia has the fifth largest internet uh, user base in the world. Uh, its younger population are also very active on social media, very talented, uh, talented, creative people who have great ideas on how to use technology to fix problems. Uh, if you talk about numbers, uh, Indonesia's digital economy is expected to dominate Southeast Asia, uh, tripling in market value from 40 US billion dollars this year to 130 US billion dollars by 2025. That's a huge number. Uh, online travel and online media, including gaming, are also enjoying double digit growth. Uh, whether it will be achievable in the next five years, it's hard to say as Indonesia still lacks a roadmap, but certainly efforts have begun and moving along well. Uh, Indonesia has attracted big Chinese tech investors in domestic e-commerce sector such as Alibaba and Tencent. Uh, Apple has opened two developer academies in Indonesia and one more is opening in Batam early next year. Um, the Nongsa Digital Park in Batam, just uh, 45 minutes away by ferry from Singapore, has also been dedicated to digital economy. Uh, open last year, the tech park now boasts several hundred tech workers and over 70 international uh, and local firms, including Apple. So uh, there might even be a chance that Nongsa will be carved out into a special economic zone, which means more tax incentives for investors including Singapore companies. Uh, and of okay. course, like I've said before, uh, President Jokowi is certainly serious in upgrading the vocational skills of its youth and will continue to invest uh, in infrastructure to encourage uh, e-commerce growth in Indonesia. So digital economy is a new growth sector. Every country in the world is looking at how to grow it. And I'm sure Indonesia is looking in the same direction. Right. Thanks a lot, Arlena. Thanks, thanks for your time today. Thank good, you. Good luck. Take care out there. You too. Now we are pleased to be joined today also by Dr. Jayadi Hanan, who lectures in political science at the Department 
of International Relations in Paramadina University in Jakarta. Dr. Jayadi, greetings from DC. Thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Now, President Jokowi's cabinet selection has attracted quite a lot of interest, obviously, and there's an interesting mix of technocrats and politicians. Where do you think this is headed? Yeah, the president obviously uh, uh, is having uh, a bit ambitious agendas for his second term, especially on the issues of in infrastructures, human resources, uh, bureaucracy reform, uh, um, and also uh, economy uh, transformation of economy. For that, he needs a very good team in economy and other uh, other uh, supporting uh, issues. And to to execute all, all of those priority agendas, he needs uh, a very good technocrats. Why he needs uh, technocrats? Because um, he needs them to focus on the priority agendas without being disturbed by the political agenda from political parties. But at the same time, the president also needs uh, enough political support from the parliament, from the political parties. That's why I think that that, that situations uh, constrain and also uh, make uh, make him uh, in the position to combine the wow. political appointees from political parties and also pro, uh, the, the technocrats. So the, the I think the impact will be that uh, in a way there should be some kind of compromise when executing all of his priority agendas. But I think as long as the president can show his leadership that he is taking the lead, I think um, he can, uh, well, as, as long as he can manage the both technocrats and the, uh, the politicians in, in his cabinet, uh, I think uh, most of the priority agendas could be achieved. Okay, it'll be fascinating to watch how this unfolds. Now, there have been student protests against corruption in recent times. Now, every leader promises to you know, combat corruption, as we know, and President Jokowi is no exception. But there are not many in Indonesia who are impressed with what he's done. So with this new cabinet and, you know, politicians' vested interests, so to speak, do you expect anything meaningful in terms of corruption? The president uh, needs the, one of the important support that the president needs is the public support. And there is a, a tendency of decreasing public support for him during the last two or three months after the election of the president. Part of the reason is because of the issue on, uh, on the revision of the law on anti-corruption agency, which is also agreed by the president and public uh, see public sees this law as the the weakening of the uh, effort of eradic eradicating corruption in indonesia and also uh, weakening the anti corruption agency, agency law and the public uh, despite the fact that the president actually also agreed with that revision of the law but the public still uh, expect the president to do something to uh, reverse the, the law and because he has the authority to do so that means it is worth uh, uh, it is worthy for the president to uh, to address this issue and i think the, there is a clear demand for that that the president should uh, uh, should make this the so-called emergency law or in indonesian term uh, government regulation in lieu of law which will revoke the, the revision uh -huh. of the law. With that, then the president can, uh, in a way, 
can uh, recover uh, the trust of the public and the trust of the public is is going to be very very important for him to to jump uh, or to run with uh, in executing his priority agendas in second term very interesting now a quick last final question and in 30 seconds if i were to ask you what are the main challenges facing jacobi in his second term number one is the to reform the bureaucracy uh, very soon because without reforming the bureaucracy it the, the requirement for executing the priority agendas will be in uh, will be in 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 in, in jeopardy number two is Uh, he needs to make sure that he is uh, showing most of, uh, showing to people uh, in his cabinet, especially the so-called strong men and strong women in the cabinet, that he is taking the lead. And number three, uh, in the short term, uh, as I said before, that he needs to get uh, the recovery from the loss of the public trust that he is experiencing during the last two months. Uh -huh. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Jayadi, for joining us. I know you're busy out there. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that was fascinating. The stability and future of Indonesia is critical for the region and critical for the globe. Indonesia is a frontline state in many ways. And it is also being driven, at least that's the perception, it is being driven a little bit closer to the so-called Quad, Japan, Australia, India, and the United States in terms of geopolitical security interests. So there are eyes on Indonesia, despite all the oxygen being sucked up in D.C. by the political drama on the Hill, there are still eyes on Indonesia and the foreign policy community. And it will be interesting to see how this goes forward in Jokowi's second term. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh.